these moments sometimes are very spontaneous. And I think this, for example, having dinner each Thursday sounds super reasonable and makes sense. But on the other hand, it's, it is a routine maybe again, like always doing this on a Thursday. And I, I want to be more like surprised. And I think these surprising moments are the ones who really stick to your memory, you know, your memory you were mentioning. Welcome to Doing Well, Feeling Fine. I am Boris Ebenstein. Today I am speaking with Julia Grosse. Julia co-founded Contemporary And, a platform for contemporary art practice from Africa and the global diaspora. You can access it under contemporaryand.com. She's also a journalist, curator, lecturer, and author. One of her books is about lifelong relationships. Its point of departure are Julia's grandparents, who were happily married to each other for, well, for a lifetime. 70 years, that is. Based on their example, Julia tracked other couples who spent 60 years or more with each other. She documented artists, musicians, activists and immigrants, secular and deeply religious couples, same-sex and heterosexual couples. In our conversation, we explore what characterizes such relationships. We cover the roles of trust and respect, freedom and individual space, the difference between companionship, simply resigning oneself to a partner, versus ongoing intimacy, love and laughter. We talk about the importance of making memories as a couple, and we explore the role of shared goals, values, and beliefs in sustaining the relationship. But we also explore some of the imbalances within relationships and the question of who gets to take, who has to give, and how this can change over time. There are some important caveats worth mentioning up front. Some of the relationships discussed were formed against the background of highly conservative social norms and unequal economic structures that, without doubt, made it difficult for women to prioritize their own objectives or even to leave a relationship. There was far greater economic dependency. The conventional expectation was also that there's really nothing wrong with prioritizing the husband's career by default. Thankfully, we've made progress here, in no small measure thanks to the feminist movements of the 60s, 70s and 80s. Still, much work remains to be done here, for instance, on the topic of increasing the financial independence of women, especially in older age. I'd love to explore this more in a future episode. But back to lifelong relationships and how to make them work. Are there any lessons here for those of us in the earlier innings of our relationships? Based on the conversations with Julia, I did a little research to flesh out some potential lessons for couples in the 21st century, primarily the work of researcher and counselor Sue Johnson. This is necessarily superficial and preliminary, but I do think it's important for doing well and feeling fine. I think it's hard to bring your most creative energy to work, to inspire others, to be an engaged team member or leader, if your relationships at home are not healthy. So what is there to learn? First, love is like a language. We need to keep speaking to stay fluent. Johnson describes the continual process of seeking and losing emotional connection, then reaching out to each other to find it again. In the conversation with Julia, we compare this work to the pruning and planting of a gardener. It's worth checking in. Am I invested in my relationship or coasting? When was the last time I surprised my partner? Pleasantly, of course. Am I aware of at least one small thing that would put a smile on their face? Today, too. Emotional connection is the life force, but it is easily lost in the micro-logistics of everyday life, from figuring out which date to put out the recycled paper, to paying utility bills, or even making sure there's enough money available to pay anything at all. Three, one simple trick is to inject more excitement for each other by teleporting out of the settings of everyday life. Kids and pets, laundry and dishes, bills and birthday obligations. I'm talking about the date night escape, of course, 
And it's not nothing. We reappear to each other in a new light, make new memories, change the conversation. In the interview, we talk about such moments of connection and celebrating them later on in life. Four, these are important and they can contribute to a shared relationship story, a narrative of who we are as a couple and where we are going. Our social life plays an important role here and is worth investing into. Five, the real mechanism for staying together, though, leaving aside those who settle for mere companionship or who cannot leave for economic reasons, is emotional connection. It has three parts worth remembering, which Johnson summarizes with the acronym R, A-R-E, for Are you there? Are you with me? A is accessibility. Can I reach you? This means staying open to our partners even when we have doubts, feel insecure or irritated. R is responsiveness. Can I rely on you to respond to me emotionally? This means accepting and taking seriously the emotional signals our partners convey, and then sending back signals of caring. E is engagement. Do I know you will value me and stay close? This describes the very special kind of attention that we give only to a loved one. Going for dinner or drinks is cool, but this points to more meaningful work. Right now, all of us can inspect. Am I available and paying attention? What sort of signals am I broadcasting? Are my behaviors caring or repelling? This implies higher self-awareness, but lower self-interest. It requires active listening and releasing one's own agenda. It involves generosity, patience, maybe forgiveness. Of course, in some cases, more work or professional counseling is needed, much more than a few self-reflection questions can afford. There is ample ground to cover here in future podcast episodes. I do hope, though, that this conversation triggers one or two thoughts or actions that you find personally useful. And now, here's my conversation with Julia Grosse. You wrote a book about lifelong love and a partnership that endured throughout much of 20th century history, which is the marriage of your grandparents. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about love, compassion, and the secret to lasting relationships as you did this research? <laughs> um, several things I've learned. Um, uh, first of all, it's not easy. It's not easy a relationship, yeah, especially to keep it going um, and really keep it keep it going beyond being friends, but really still seeing you know the other the partner after such a long time is a bloody lot of work um, and um, isn't fun all the time. Um, uh, freedom is a big aspect I heard from the many different couples I taught, you know spoke to freedom let you know let the other one or give space to the other one. Um, and the more space you give, the more the more intense the relationship becomes. Um, you know, all of all of all of these things. Obviously, trust and respect as well, etc. And um, not try to change the other one. This is something um, a lot of these oldies um, um, told me as well. Not try to to focus or to to force your ideas and and perspectives on on the other one in order that, to be you complete. Speak mostly to older people or. Yes, yes, because you know, for the, the because obviously the, the starting point were my grandparents, um, with whom I have been talking a lot throughout the years and recorded this, which was really clever, I think, <laughs> and uh, so I had enough material to write about them. But then I obviously started to um, to to add more like voices to this book by um, visiting all of these other 
different, completely different couples who have been together for a long time as well, like 50, 60, I think 50 or 60 was the minimum, <laughs> minimum amount of years, which you to, know, to make it into the book. To yes. make it into the book, yes. yes. Are you yes, married yes. for 60 years? Okay, we can talk. Yes, and yes. 40, did you really? not long enough. 40, not long enough. No, you're still working on it. So yes. come, come back in 20 years. <laughs> yes, <And> yes. <laughs> did you... Did you really go through the newspapers for any mm -hmm. advertisements of, you know, golden and diamond wedding anniversaries and then sort of track people down that way? Is that, <laughs> did that really happen? Yes, I did do this and had, <clears throat> um, I was lucky enough to have an um, assistant who kind of supported me here and to really, you know, find these jubilees, etc. in the daily newspapers. And um, but as well, you know, I had different strategies. For example, I approached so I, I approached these um, retiree homes, um, particularly with this request, like, oh, do you have couples who have been together for a long time, blah blah blah. And that was very successful because there has there was always one couple who, who you know, the staff said, oh, they're so lovely and yeah, they would love to talk. I think, etc. And obviously, once, you know, I, the word was out that I was doing this, a lot of friends came like, oh, you know, you need to meet my uncle and auntie. They've been together for 60 years and blah, blah, blah. So it, it came together quite naturally. And, um, and but of, obviously through research as well, um, I traveled to New York to, to, um, to meet two fantastic, um, like writer, activist couple, two, um, to women who have been together for such a long time and have such amazing stories to tell about their upbringing together as a couple in you know in the time of civil rights movements and oh it was just amazing or i went to um you know deep schwabenland in the southern part of germany to um speak to a german turkish couple who have seven daughters and you know still have a beautiful way of being together. So uh, it really touched my heart to to be with these wise people, you know, to tell, talk about their love because obviously nobody ever asked them or says like, oh, tell me, you know. And for them, it was, I hope, really beautiful to go back to talk about this again. Um, how I'm sure. And I'm what, sure. what they think because, you know, some of them had particular like, oh, yeah, this you need to do this and you need to, you know, give the other one space, blah, blah, blah. And others were like, Oh, we don't. Oh, we don't really know what the secret is. Oh, we never thought about this. So it came <laughs> nice. naturally. And oh, the sad thing is because you know some of them were bloody old. Because you know if you're 70 years of marriage, you must be at least 20. You know. And um, this is the sad thing that since I published the book in 18, a lot of them have died already. Obviously, yeah. because you know it's, they are old. <laughs> what was the thing that surprised you the most? Oh, maybe that after 70 years they could still laugh together and 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 have fun together and still listen to each other and be respectful and um i don't know some of them even you know had still this this energy of um of of really being in love with each other and and there was one couple and they surprised me a lot because they had a very conservative relationship for i don't know maybe 50 years He was a star composer, um, classic music, and she always made this happen, you know. And um, she really felt like always, not like his, like serving, but yeah, to his service, yeah, really um, being like making, making, making way for his career, etc. And 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 they managed to kind of flip 
the completely the the the, the relationship by I don't know suddenly she fell ill and he realized of course sometimes you know these horrible things have to happen he realized who she you know she she put it into words like that was the first time he saw me yeah it sounds horrible mm. but since then the whole relationship like I was there and they were like oh and he was you know he was knee he was almost on his knees and oh do you want to have another oh, want to have coffee and oh my darling it was so like a friend you know and they said like oh we feel like it's it's a second phase of our relationship it's like we've you know we're 85 now and are newly in love with each other and this the second visit of a relationship that surprised me and made me really happy to see that this is possible yeah that's fascinating mm -hmm. you you talk about the importance of adjusting to different life phases over the long arc of these kinds of multi-decade relationships What kinds of adjustments did you come across? I mean, you mentioned one, which is probably related to this partner falling ill and then mm. the role of who's supporting and who's leading has suddenly switched around. Mm -hmm. Were there other adjustments to different life phases that might be helpful for for all of us as we mm. <laughs> navigate our own relationships? Yeah. I think this obviously because it was from a particular time no? when they grew up in in most all of them in europe or west western part of the world and um so the the topic of gender equality of um who is allowed to have a career who's raising the kids etc was very similar let's say yeah so these that aspect of looking at the relationship from a different perspective once the job is you know you're you're retired um this you know the the career is nothing which is still very dominant in the way let's say quote unquote uh, once that was all gone um i think in most of their relationships um happened something beautiful that they started to look at each other in a new in a new way and the kids were out of the house etc yeah so um this is something i i i I saw in many of these different different relationships. For example, with a couple in in New York, these two activists, they were completely different because they kind of came out of classical in hetero relationships and started their new life together. So that was something which gave the whole relationship another level or in of intensity because that was, you know, at that time Yeah, linked to risks as well, etc. And this is something I found very important as well, that um, making a step to really working on a relationship for such a long time has to do with a lot of um, strength and faith and, uh, courage. and courage. And, yes. and this, was a, this, was, this was the same-sex couple? Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And courage was obviously their, their thing, eh? like courage and keep on the fight for obviously equal rights etc in their case i really i really felt that fighting for the same cause yeah can really be an engine as well huh? to you know because there was, yeah, they were almost like the one was almost uh, definitely in their 80s and they were still like yeah still you know this the the, the fight for equal equality etc kind of glued the two together and, and gave the relationship a lot of strength. So I think to follow the same vision can be on a private level, but as well on a more society, society, society level, how to 
to to give meaning to the world etc is a motor obviously um as well to um for 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 a great relationship that you fight for the same things no and this is and this is why i really like this or i put together or curated these very very different biographies and couples because that was the thing which interested me how how does a queer couple talk about their 50 years of love um, compared to um, a couple from um, from Turkey who have lived you know in in Germany uh, for a long time and this kind of getting a feeling of home making making this your home is obviously a vision you have to a plan you have together as well as a couple and it gives you strength too so it's it was very interesting to see what what drove them and and um, this drive most of the time gave the the relationship um, energy as well this is how i at least felt it that unifying purpose yes and then it's different across the couples that you've sampled so in one case it's a civil rights mission in another mm -hmm. case it's the shared project of building a home away from home mm -hmm. in uh, in inverted commas what, what else because you said you sampled the couples to be representative of different different mm -hmm. types of mm -hmm. situations what else was there Mm. <laughs> yeah, as I said, there was this cover, uh, you know, the, with this very famous composer and his his uh, partner. There, then um, I interviewed um, a very famous. He died with at the age of 103, so like maybe a year after um, I met him, Kao Götz, with his wife, who was yeah maybe 20 years younger because she used to be his student back at. Uh, the arts academy and um to this you know in in this context i was super interested because they were you know both artists both painters how to, to see how this long relationship of two super creative people how, how does this work um and how does this you know this kind of being fidelity and all of these questions how does this play or work in 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 the concept of art world and art scene and especially for during that time you know he was at the academy boys started to teach there as well and turn the whole you know academy um around but um you know to have these to hear these stories how how they made it happen what what their idea of fidelity was donating your time and life to the other one etc so that was super important as well and for example in their case as well how as a couple they how they influence each other obviously on a creative level as you know as as painters as well how 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 the one work is infused by the other or maybe not so this was something i found really interesting um or to have a couple who work closely together on a creative level was um, important to me as well and um yeah so that was really the idea to have really different perspectives in the book um, another couple i visitors was in London um, who were from Jamaica and Nigeria and lived in London now for a long time had I think six daughters as well or six children and yeah, a lot of children and where the aspect of faith religion played a big role as well so this is something I wanted to include as well the question of how does um, love and a long relationship in the context of religion play a role how much do you really feel forced <laughs> to stay together for a long time if you know if you're very yeah if faith and 
religion plays a big role, etc. And um, how as well does belief in God uh, or the belief in something again no? in this time in this case believing god yeah. kind of glues you together glues you together yes and the faith and in their case it was amazing and and how much the faith gave them strength and 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 it was you know when they talked about religion they were all there you know it was like and it, in the end when before i left they even they even sang for me the two oh, it was so it was it was i don't know I, i i had the feeling that the older you get like in your 90s or 80s and are together for a long time with one person uh, or that that person, that they always had this kind of spiritual um, knowledge or aura mm -hmm. around them. Mm -hmm. All of these couples in their way um, touched me a lot, really. It was uh, an amazing journey and, and, and makes you feel, look at your own relationship uh, in a different way, obviously, as well. Makes it Makes it very precious as well, yeah. I would love to come back to some potential practical insights that um, maybe all of us can apply as, as we pursue <laughs> our goal of having, you know, fulfilled and lasting relationships. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to come back on what I would see as a tension in what you described between freedom and the space to express the self and to pursue whatever objectives and identities the individuals in the relationship want to pursue. So mm -hmm. freedom and freedom of expression. And I think uh, you also used the word tolerance when talking mm. about the space afforded uh, between your grandparents to each other. Mm. So there's that dynamic, but then there's also the dynamic of a higher purpose and mm. a shared goal that is somehow bigger than the individual agendas and the individual egos that mm. unifies the team. Mm. And so <laughs> I was wondering, is it simply a matter of having to have both a level of freedom that allows you to do yourself oriented tasks, and then at the same time, a higher purpose that allows you to transcend the ego is that maybe the secret sauce or how did you experience it it's it's a obviously context thing because freedom of expression for these couples at that time 40s 50s 60s 70s meant obviously it's almost you know in almost all cases was the you know the man who could express or could yeah. dive into their freedom of expression in terms of what they do at work what what they can become You know, um, having someone supporting you in order to, I don't know, to study for a long time, to do a PhD, to to go to different places, and obviously the partner follows, etc. So that, except you know the the, the queer couple, um, the freedom of expression was a very long time very linear in terms of who who takes, yeah. And yep. what 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 they yep. all realize is that at one point, um, okay, there's you know there are two piles. Oh no, there's one thing, one pile, and that one person took from that pile for too long mm. compared to the other one, <clears throat> and that almost all of them managed to kind of at one point say, okay, now we have to sh we have to switch play roles in a way, or now it's your turn, yeah. And um, I th I thought this was important to. Um, that all of them realize that there's one pile and, and oh, I've been taken from that pile for long, for too many years now and never asked, like, do you want to, you know, where are you? Where, where's the other one? This, you know, when that one, this one um, person said, after all of these years, yeah, suddenly he saw me and I thought like, wow, that's crazy. Huh? Now you see me really as a person and not like as a partner in prime 
But in the end, I always see myself obviously doing, being able to, but never ask myself, wow, why am I actually able to do all of these things in a, in a partner, uh, in a partnership, in a relationship? What's the construction of our lucky relationship at the moment and who's taking what and since when? And, and is this, is, is, the, is, is it fine? You know? Uh, yeah. I mean, it does reveal something a little bit darker, maybe, where you <laughs> would say, hang on a minute the reason why this went so well for such a long time mm. is because one person acquiesced to giving more and mm -hmm. taking less. Mm -hmm. And that's why this relationship was able to be stable. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're, is that what you're referring to or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And um, this is what some of the couples yeah, li literally told me yeah? like this, for example, this one extreme, example where she said like there were times where i felt like more like a you know part of furniture here and mm -hmm. he yeah that, that yeah it was you know a, a sad part yeah but seeing them now like he was like oh he, he was really you know her servant now and she really <laughs> enjoyed this uh yeah i couldn't didn't have this joy for such a long time because he's you know he died some like some years after like two or three years after but i'm really happy that we're in this place nowadays to say mm, maybe let's let's go different different um, ways and maybe let's um, let's not keep on you know feeding in this relationship which just which just just doesn't work yeah i still very much believe in if, if a relationship doesn't work one one shouldn't force to to make it work if it doesn't work you know what i mean and this is yeah yeah, yeah. of course yeah. maybe there's fewer of those long lasting ones today because people are more empowered to strike out yes. on their own if that's what they really yes. need right yes, and that's yes. just as well i mean that's good it's a it's a kind yeah. of empowering dynamic i wanted to ask you about the role of children there was a sentence in your book that seemed to suggest that your grandparents at least put each other ahead of the children and ah. if i compare this with mm. our generation it seems like we're very focused, if not over-focused on some mm -hmm. kind of, you know, concierge parenting or, you know, white glove mm -hmm. parenting, as I've heard it called in, in some context. <laughs> and I'm wondering whether you found that at some point you need to create space to invest in your own relationships and mm -hmm. whether our generation is over-focused somehow or over-worried mm -hmm. and as a result of, on the children and as a result of that just doesn't invest enough in making memories or having experiences with each other that mm. nurture the relationship? I think my grandparents were rather very un unique with this um, approach because, of course, you know, the level of helicoptering, what we're doing nowadays is not comparable to what uh, our grandparents, you know, did with their children, etc. But um to really focus on the other one and to celebrate the other one um, and saying, you come first, you're, you're the center of my, my, my life. And then come the kids. I think even back then was quite unusual, I would say. And um, for example, my mother always, as a child thought, oh, this is pretty egoistic. We're always number two. And my mom is always the star, you know, he carried her on his hands, literally. And um, then as a young adult and adult, my mom said, oh, this is the best thing I, you know, I, he, he, they did. And I, I admire them for, for um, the courage to, to really say, you know, you, you come first and then come the kids. Because 
in their way it was in you know, that concept it was, it was complicated because it created such a um, um, such a such a relationship which such a perfect and, and, and tolerant and modern relationship where my my aunt and my mother could never get to that level because it was just you know you, you can only fail next to such a great relationship of your parents which in my parents case you know they didn't manage to stay together for such a long time of course they're not that old but um you know they separated you know 20 years ago so um i think for them to have this very advanced level of how you know, how one can live a relationship was rather scary <laughs> to me especially that aspect of partner first and then the children um it, i think it was it it had a big impact um on me without saying that um, of course i'm 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 a bit helicopter too and my children are the most important thing in my life but still not to forget that there's a you know the starting point of it all was a romantic relationship with this uh, partner is and you know and especially as you say in this hectic context we're all living in it's so easy to forget or we have to force ourselves into okay let's go on holiday for three days alone and all of these things so it's it's to come back it's hard work it's hard work to to have a nice time together as well it's it's not easy but it's yeah. worth it i think <laughs> yeah, yeah sometimes it feels like all you can do is manage through the day with yes. your professional commitments the micro yes. logistics of managing the family and yes. maybe if you're lucky have a dinner and watch a episode of something oh, you know wow, on a streaming channel and that's a treat that, already <laughs> and exactly and that's about it and yes. it's it's interesting to see how you know we all need to try harder i guess in investing because mm -hmm. this investment will pay a dividend and mm. it seems like the memories and the experiences that mm. that you then create mm -hmm. sustain the relationship many years possibly mm. beyond the individual experience itself mm -hmm. but if you don't do it it will erode your relationship mm. many years uh, mm. <laughs> after that point in time when you could have made the investment right it works both ways yes thing is that especially now during our phase of life it's easy to forget this to you know to over organize your love and your relationship as well and um, for example i spoke to um, therapists as well and they say that what always comes you know it always comes back to the fact that um they 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 have couples sitting there in front of them are saying oh we need group therapy and it's always too late or, or in the most of the most of the cases they come too late you know? they come in a time where there's no room um for negotiation anymore and this is the problem why what i learned you know these th groups and group pair therapies very often don't work because you know couples are realizing too late that they have that they need support let's say yeah or that they have to to yeah you know relationship is you know needs maintenance like you know like you your flat or if you have a car your car etc or your garden you know and this is something yeah maybe that was metaphor put on the last like oh, yeah, come, i love yeah dinner together yeah okay we can do this next week and then it's it never happens so i wanted to come back to uh something that you described your grandparents as being incredibly social characters that you had these big photo albums that were mm. chock full of photographs of parties and birthdays and dinners <laughs> and people and friends and even flirting Uh, mm -hmm. all meticulously documented, which I suppose <laughs> is a testament of the freedom that you talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. 
But the the significance of a fulfilled social life seems to have sustained their one-on-one -on -one relationship also. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could talk about that. And it strikes me that <clears throat> at a certain age and point in life, typically couples with young children mm -hmm. kind of put their social life on the back mm -hmm. burner and you get fewer <laughs> invitations to dinner parties. You don't find yourself on a Thursday night after two <laughs> bottles of red wine and a full ashtray, you know, uh, hanging out with no. your friends. I mean, not to advocate <laughs> for smoking and drinking, but you know what I mean? That, that mm -hmm. sort of, uh, t tell us about the importance of this fulfilled social life in relationship to that one-on-one -on -one between the couple. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In their case, of course, it was a different time, you know, the golden years, like the sixties and he had a good job and, and, and they were, you know, they, as I say, were always very sociable, active people who invited a lot of, you know, friends over on a regular basis. Obviously alcohol during these years was like, crazy <laughs> and, and 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 i think obviously after world war ii and 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 you know germany coming back to his on 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 its feet etc in the golden years you know of economy of course celebrating had a different level compared to to now to to our lives now but um yeah i absolutely know or can relate to what you what you describe, because when I see these pictures, I'm like, oh, God, this is so nice. And then I'm like, okay, when did I do something like this? <laughs> the last time myself. And uh, for example, this weekend, we were like, we were out on a Saturday and a Sunday. And that was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And um, because we normally do, don't do this um, very often. And I could feel like it kind of uplift, gave me a little uplift throughout the whole week. Yeah, that uh, mm. just these two bloody days and we didn't you know dance until 6 a.m or something but just like to get out of this and it's it's so like physically so it's really a physical thing to get out of that 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 pattern that routine to see your partner in a different context in a different environment acting differently yeah. it's such a you know you look a bit like this now you see me you look at that person as a person as someone you don't know even in moments and that's so uh, exciting and I really I'm like oh god why don't we do this oft more often it's really <laughs> yeah but you can't always like these moments sometimes are very spontaneous and I think this for example having dinner each Thursday sounds super reasonable and makes sense but on the other hand it's it's very it, it can get a routine you know it, 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 it is a routine maybe again like always doing this on a Thursday and I, I want to be more like surprised and I think these surprising moments are the ones who really stick to your memory you know your memory you were mentioning yeah? like what do you memorize from your or remember from your from your relationship when you're 80 or you know which moments etc yeah there was a beautiful line that another guest on the podcast quoted a few days ago as we were recording and he referred to a book by Bill Perkins, which mm -hmm. is a totally different context. It's about personal wealth management and uh, mm -hmm. the thesis there is that you should aim to die with zero. So after you deduct some sort mm -hmm. of amount of money that you want to leave as an inheritance, mm -hmm. that you should basically use up the rest of it to make memories because you'll accrue a memory dividend from the memory that you make and it will pay mm -hmm. emotionally into mm -hmm. uh, your sense of well-being and happiness much much later many years later yes 
Um, and if you don't have it because you think it's the more sensible thing to, you know, stay in on a Sunday and prepare for the week or what have you, make the lunch mm. boxes and schedule the, you know, who does the pickup or whatever on a, you know, Wednesday yeah. night, that you you don't have that memory and, and the trust no? batteries yeah. and the romantic yeah. batteries are not charged. No, no. It's, and it's so easy in a way. Of course, you have to organize a little bit, but then it's just, it's 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 very tempting to to stay in this 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 routine of denial but years later as you say then there's in terms of memory of romantic memory there's not much really so it's it's important to to um, you know kick ourselves sometimes (laughs) or more often (laughs) thanks for listening to this episode i hope you found it useful and interesting one small request before you go If there is a particular topic you'd like to hear covered within the broad space of people's biggest goals in work and life, please let me know. If there's anything that could be better, format or content, again, please let me know. This is all still pretty new, so feedback is highly welcome. You can send me a message on LinkedIn. My profile is accessible at linkedin.com slash in slash Boris Evenstein, all one word. Thank you.